0: There have been seasons in my life in which I listened to the lies. Lies like, you're not good enough, you'll never make the team. Lies like, you're not popular enough, you'll never fit in. Lies like, you're not smart enough, you'll never pass the test. And then the lies just kept on going into college as well, lies like if you're not the life of the party and you get drunk, they won't accept you. If you aren't cocky and arrogant, people won't respect you. And if you're not sexually active, then you're not really a a real man. And then after college, after I had kind of royally messed up, the lies just kept on coming. Jennifer and I got married, and the lies came that if you come clean and you share Jennifer everything, even the last 10%, she'll leave you. If the people in your church knew exactly who you were outside of Sunday morning, you'd be fired. And if you think you can call yourself a pastor after you've done some of the things you've done in your past. No one would believe you. Have you ever had seasons in your life in which you listen to the lies? Have you ever had moments in which you listened to the evil one who would put things into your head? Have you ever listened to the lies so much that they actually started to become your identity and you started to listen to those more than anything else? You know, as much as there is a loving God who is present and gives light and good things, the truth is there is an evil one, Satan himself, who longs to still kill and destroy and to help you not see your identity the way God wants you to see it. He's the biggest liar in all of the world, and He often wants to kind of deflect from who we are and who God sees us as. Jesus actually described Satan one day, and this is what He said. He said, He, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his, what's the next two words? Native language. For he is a what? A liar and the father of all lies. Folks, lying originated with Satan himself in the garden with two human beings, Adam and Eve. And since that moment, what has happened is that Satan has been trying to fill our minds with lies about us. Big, honking lies. You see, Scripture says this. We are not struggling and fighting against what? Human beings. Now most of you are like, no, yes I am. You should know my boss. You should know my parents. You should know my kids. I'm fighting against them. No, it says not against human beings, but against what? Evil spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. The rulers, authorities, and powers of darkness. Now, what this verse is saying is that Satan has a tendency to want to throw darts of lies. He's like the best dart thrower. He always knows exactly how to hit the bullseye in the middle to make you think and believe that you are less than who you actually are. And he throws all kinds of darts. Darts of delay, darts of disappointment, darts of despair, darts of uh, uh, depression, darts of disappointment, darts of discouragement. Now, this is the problem, though, is that many of us are afraid to even believe that Satan exists. For example, when my youngest daughter Shiloh was very little, we would, we would talk and we'd read a scripture and then we'd say Satan, and she'd say, oh, don't say that word. I was like, well, honey, why are you so afraid? Because he can do bad stuff to us. I was like, no, he can't. He can only do what you allow him, but you have God's Spirit on you, Shiloh, and he loves you and he's protecting you. Really? I'm like, yeah, Shiloh. I still don't want to say His name. (laughs) And that's the way many of us are. We don't want to say that name because we think, oh, we open ourselves up to something. I want you to know that God's power is greater and bigger than anything else and He loves you so much that He would never allow the evil one to destroy you. But the reality is, in a world in which He allows free will, there are times in which we will be tempted to buy into the lies And we do. The reality is, our battle isn't against each other, but it is against this cosmic kind of war. But if you are a child of God, this is what I want you to know. Satan wants to take you out. He wants to create in you things that are not true about you. Now, for most of my life, I never believed that Satan even existed. In fact, um, I had this kind of thought that evil things happen because of evil people. And that's true uh, to some extent. But the reality is, as I actually started reading this book, and as I started applying it to my faith, all of a sudden I started noticing that I would be tempted by things, or there would be things in the world that had no explanation. And then I finally realized... That if there is light, there must be darkness too. That if there is light, there is death. If there is a liar, there's one who tells the truth. And we're tempted by that paradox all the time. It took me years and years to finally realize that in my mind when I start having some of that stinking thinking, that... There is one who's trying to put it in my mind, but through the power of God we can overcome that, and I finally realized that. Now the truth is, I'm still tempted by some of those lies that come into my mind all the time. It's just now I have some ammunition to know how to get beyond it. Because this is what I found. Sometimes, sometimes, it's easier to listen to the lies than it is to listen to the truth. Have you ever noticed that before? That sometimes it's just a lot easier to listen to the lies than it is what God really says about you. Sometimes it's easier to get sucked back into our past of things that we did and to beat ourselves up and all of a sudden there's this little thing that goes into our mind, these evil thoughts that will come and say you're not good enough. God will never forgive you for that or things that happen in your present that you get consumed by, and you're like, I'll never get over this. Let me say this morning, what lies you have can be shaken off. But the problem is is that sometimes the lies are so strong, we tend to listen to them more than to the truth. Maybe your lie this morning is that you think to yourself, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. Maybe you're for a female, you say, I'm not pretty enough. Most guys never look in the mirror and go, I'm not pretty enough. (laughs) My wife always says, I strut into the mirror and I'm like, man, I look good. (laughs) You know? And uh, now I I have two young girls and, you know, we have to work through all of this. But many times we buy into those lies. Or maybe you buy into the lie that, you know what, I'm always going to have a temper. I'm always going to yell at my kids. I'm never going to be able to control it. Or you know what, I'll never be able to stop taking those pain pills. I mean, the accident happened a long time ago, but the truth is, I'll never be able to overcome it. Or I'll never be able to stop worrying about finances. I'm always going to be concerned that we're never going to make it. We're always going to be in debt. Or I can't control the things that come out of my mouth. It just seems like it comes and I'll never be able to control it or I can't stop looking at porn, or I can't stop gossiping, or I can't stop doing whatever that is. And folks, all of a sudden what happens is our minds get filled with a lot of different lies and it becomes difficult for us to shake them off. And I think that maybe the biggest lie that many of us buy into is this one right here. This is your first fill-in. That God can't change me. That the truth is, is that God can't change me. That's my truth. I'll listen to the lies and that God can't change me. Have you ever thought that before? That, you know what? I've gone down this road so long that maybe I just can't change. I mean, I keep trying, I keep trying, I keep trying. And one thing that I've learned, though, is that I'm a failure at trying. I'll say I'll never do it again and then I do it. I'll say I'll never say that to that person and then I say it. Have you ever found yourself in that horrible cycle of failure and guilt and promise that I'm just not ever going to be able to change? God can't change me. And maybe for some of you right now, you find yourself in a season where you're wondering to yourself, is this ever going to change? I've struggled with this so long, maybe, just maybe, that's exactly the way I'm going to be. Because if God could have changed this thing, He already would have. Now the reality is is that some of us have listened to these recordings, and maybe some of those recordings came from our parents or other people in our life, that we've listened to them for so long that it has actually affected our relationship with God. We have claimed that it's our identity now, and we are consumed with what I said earlier, stinking thinking. It comes into our mind and we just accept it as is. So the way to overcome and to shake that off is we have to put on God's truth and we begin to start communicating to ourselves what God says about us. And I think the biggest truth about every single person in this place is this. that uh, The biggest truth is this. That I am God's masterpiece. That's who you are. You are God's masterpiece. And... Uh, When you think of that word masterpiece, many times we never think of ourselves that way. We think of an art museum where there's this amazing kind of artistic work. In fact, uh, here's a couple definitions on uh, a masterpiece. A work done with extraordinary skill, a supreme intellectual or artistic achievement. And we go, oh, that's the masterpiece, but not me, that's those things. Uh, I was reading uh, this week, about a five-year-old named Charlie, and he said uh, this was his definition of a masterpiece. He said, a masterpiece is anything that I do that my mom hangs on the refrigerator. (laughs) Isn't that true? And this is what I want you to know. That on God's refrigerator in heaven, your picture is on it. Every one of your pictures are on it. It's a huge refrigerator because all of you are His masterpiece. In fact, don't just believe me, but Scripture actually says it. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, a guy by the name of Paul wrote these words. For we are God's, what's the next word? Masterpiece. Masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us When? Long ago. He had been planning you long ago before you were ever even an apple in your parents' eyes. So, uh, the thing that I understand is that for some of you, you do not see yourself that way. So, uh, I thought we would begin this morning with a little whiteboard action to have the Word up for this entire time to remind you that you are God's masterpiece. And here's what's true uh, about uh, this particular concept of what God says about you. And it's this, that you cannot erase it off. You might say to yourself, no, I'm not. I'm not a masterpiece. I'm not that at all. Yes, you are. And the reality is you cannot erase it off. But I know some of you are not visual learners. Some of you are auditory learners. You listen, and then you believe it. So I'd like you to turn to the person beside you and just tell them right now, you are a masterpiece. Okay, go ahead. I mean, some marriages just kind of worked in a way that you'd never think. Like, honey, woo," You know? Because you've never said that. If you're married, you should say that to your spouse. You are a masterpiece. Now that's who you are. You're a masterpiece. You're a Rembrandt. You're a Monet. You're one of a kind. Now the truth is, for some of you, we're glad God only made one. Okay? <laughs> but it doesn't take away the fact that you truly are a masterpiece. But what I found is that people often don't see themselves this way, but they see themselves as a master mess. They look at themselves in the mirror and all of a sudden they're like, look at that birthmark. Look at that wart. Look at this big schnauz. And I'm just talking about myself right now, okay? But many of us, when we look in the mirror, we we see all the imperfection of what is not true and we see a master mess. We look in the mirror and we go mirror, mirror, on the wall, I'm the master mess of them all see, for some of us, we just never really see ourselves the way God intended for us to see ourselves, as his masterpiece. You see, folks, the reason I know that you're a masterpiece is because a master creator created you. And in Genesis, in the very first book of the Bible, this is what God says regarding you. So God created people in his what? You're created in the image of God. You're beautiful. You're one of a kind. You're a masterpiece. God patterned them after Himself, male and female. He created them. You were created in the image of God. He decided how you would be born and exactly how it would all work. And even though the circumstances um, of your birth or who your parents are, regardless of what that was, whether they were good, bad, or indifferent, the truth is God had planned you long before you ever came here because you're His masterpiece. You're one of a kind. Scripture says this in the creation story. It says these words, God saw what He made and it was, what's the next word? Very good. Now, I did kind of a word study this week, and I looked at all of the previous days before day six. Day six is the day in which God created human beings. But on all the other days, looking up to it, this is what it said He made the heavens and the earth, and it was good. He made the skies and the water, and it was good. He made the plants and all vegetation, and it was good. He made different animals, and it was good. But you know what He did not use to describe the goodness? was this word, very. In fact, for some of you, you should circle it, underline it, because it's the only place in the creation story where God uses the word, very good. Human beings, He said, they're the pinnacle, they're my masterpiece. They are very good. You see, we are different than everything else in creation, in God's eyes. We are not just good, We are what? Very good. Because we were created as God's masterpiece. I mean, even if you were unplanned by your parents, even if you were unwanted by your parents, you were not unplanned or unwanted by God. He doesn't make accidents. He does not make mistakes. You are His masterpiece. You are God's most treasured prize. He created you and He said... Not just you are good, but he said you're very good. And this section, very good. And this section, very good. And even the people on the balcony. Very good. Okay. you got to make sure you don't sleep up there, okay? But in all creation, that's what it was. He, he said this is good, but when he came to you and me, he said it's very good because we're his masterpiece. And the reality is, folks, that we are That We're his masterpiece. Sometimes, though, what I've found is, even though we can see it, even though we can say it, there are many times in which you and I have a hard time believing it. Because it's a lot easier sometimes to believe the lies than it is the truth. And what happens is that these lies start to come into our life. And when they come into our life, we look at them and we take them hook, line, and sinker. I'm an addict. I've always been addicted. I'm never going to change. I'm always going to be addicted to alcohol or drugs or porn or gossip or whatever it is. I'm always going to be addicted. Or we'll say, you know what? I'm always going to be a bitter person. Someone hurt me so bad, Chris. They hurt me so bad that I'll never be able to forgive that person. And so I'm always going to be bitter. And other people will say, I'm always going to be a worrier. You woke up this morning worried. You're worried right now. You're worried that the word worry is up here. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're like, you're talking to me, you know, and you're getting anxious just as we're talking about it. And you're like, I'm always going to be that way. I'm never going to change. Some of you have issues with anger and so you're always going to be a yeller. You're like, I always yell at my kids, I yell at my wife, I yell at my husband. I'm just always going to be that way. I'm not going to change. And for some of you, you're like, I'm always going to be a failure. Even though other people may see me differently, inside I just look at who I am, and I'm always going to be that. I'm going to be a failure. Several years ago, there was a very bright uh, college student who had come to her senior year, And she wanted to uh, meet with me. And she was extremely intelligent, um, had a 3.8 GPA, uh, graduated very high at Ball State. She was very attractive. I'm sure that all the young boys on campus were like, woo when she walked by. She was raised in a Christian home, and it seemed to me from the outside that she had everything going for her. So when she came to sit in my office, I thought to myself, I bet she's just going to tell me about what big job she got or what graduate school she got into, um, because she was so intelligent and had it all put together. And instead, when she walked into my office, all of a sudden there was this person that just cried out to me the fact that she felt like a huge failure. She said that there were these mistakes that she had made in her past and she started weeping as she was telling me about her past. She shared about the fact that her anxiety had gotten so overwhelming that she was medicated and seeing a counselor and she felt like she just was nothing. She started sharing about all of these pains from her past again and again. And I don't know what it was, but in the moment, I just felt like a prompting, from God's Spirit, not audible words, but just kind of in my spirit that said, ask her, what was the most painful experience you ever had in your childhood? And so, sometimes I don't obey things, but this time I thought, well, this will be easy, I'll ask that, and I'm sure she'll say something like, I was grounded for a week, or my parents took my car away for a month, or, you know, I was sent to my room, something like that. And then when I ask her the question, What was the most painful childhood memory you have? She looked at me and she said this. She said, I've never heard my parents say. They're proud of me. And these tears began to flow from her face. I've just always felt like I'm a failure. And I'm looking at this woman, a 3.8. She went on to do amazing things, but had so much promise. It was God's masterpiece in front of me. And all she could see was her master failures. You know, folks, sometimes it's just easier to buy into the lies than it is to listen to God's truth. The lies of the evil one, the lies that come into our mind, the lies that other people say about us, the lies that we think to ourselves because we never got the encouragement from family or friends. So we go through this life with this stinking thinking that, you know what, this is who I am. I'm never going to change. Things aren't going to get better. I am what I am. I'm never going to be able to do this. I am incapable of overcoming this. Let me just say that to some of you who may think that whatever the lie is in your head, that you're incapable of overcoming it. Um, with all due respect, I want to say to you, how on earth do you know what you're capable of? How on earth do you know what you're capable of? You didn't create yourself. The God of the universe created all things, and He sees you as His masterpiece. You see, the truth is is that many of us struggle with lies all the time. This is just the way I am. I'm not going to change. It'll never be any different. But I want you to know that if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a person who says, I'm putting my trust in Him, or today maybe you're drifting back and you're saying, I want Him in my life, or maybe today's the very first day that you're like, I'm open to this, the reality is, folks, you've already been changed. In fact, Paul, the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament, Said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a what? Yeah, you're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. God has already changed you. The truth is you simply need to start listening to his voice rather than the lies that are around you. So for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is give you a strategy on how to shake off the lies that come into our mind. And I want us to know how we can actually remove these from our lives, these lies that come to us. Because for some of you, you've been a prisoner way too long in these lies. So here's the first step to the strategy to shake off lies. And it is to capture wrong thoughts. You've got to capture the wrong thoughts. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, one of my favorite verses. He says, I capture... How many thoughts? Now, how many is every? Yeah, like all of them. Every all thoughts and make it what? Give up... And obey Christ. He says you capture the thought, you make it give up, and you make it obey Christ. Now, how does this actually work? Well, the reality is you're still going to have some wrong thoughts that come into your mind. So every time you're watching television and you get a wrong thought, you repeat these I capture it, I make it give up, I make it obey Christ. When you're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and you're seeing all of the positive things just flowing through your life, right? But when you see those negative things, you capture them and you make them give up. Every negative thing that you hear at work, in the neighborhood, with your family, friends, whatever, we capture the thought, we say, give up, and then we say, we make it obey Christ. Now, how does this work? Well, we've got to differentiate between fact and truth. So, a thought comes in my mind. I'm fat. I'm always going to be fat. I'll never be able to lose weight. Fact. You're overweight. The truth is, God sees you as his masterpiece, and he will help you overcome anything you need in that area. Thought. My marriage is failing and there is no hope. Okay? That's the thought. Fact. Man, I've been a horrible husband. I mean, I just have not been a godly husband. I have not been the wife uh, or I haven't been the husband for my wife who I need to be or I haven't been the wife that my husband needs me to be and I'm not sacrificially serving. And those are the facts. But here's the truth. God created you to be the husband for your wife or He created you to be the wife for your husband and He can do amazing things because He created you. Thought. There's that one thing from my past. It's way back there, but I know that God could never forgive me for that. That's the thought. Fact. Guess what? You sinned. You messed up. You did something horrible, bad. But here is the truth. God forgives all, anything, small, big, whatever it is, God forgives. That's the truth. So the first step is to capture those wrong thoughts, and the second step is this, to speak the truth. You literally have to speak truth into that wrong thought. Now notice, I didn't say you have to think about the truth although that's important. I didn't say you have to know the truth, although that's important. I didn't even say you have to memorize the truth, although that's important. Because this is the thing I found with some Christ followers. Some of them have memorized a whole lot of Scripture, but they're still mean, evil, nasty people. Because just because you memorize it doesn't mean that you're speaking it. What I said was you have to speak the truth. Folks, our words have a far more powerful effect on our lives and the lives of people around us than you would ever think. Because every single day we go down this road and we come to a particular crossroad. And we either are going to believe the lies or we're going to believe the truth that we're God's masterpiece. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says this. The tongue has the power of what? Yeah, life and death. You go down the road with your tongue and it has the power for either giving life to yourself and to others or following death. Now this is serious language. The things that come out of your mouth actually provide power to either give you life or to give you death. And I think all too often what we do is we speak words that are defeatist. I'll never be able to do that. I can't. I won't. I'm not enough. Whatever it is, we have a tendency to use those words. And each time we do that and we listen to the lies from Satan, when that happens, we are giving power to a lie and the life within us dies just a little more. Folks, giving power to a lie leads to a life of bondage. It leads to a life of imprisonment. And so, it's critical that we capture every wrong thought and then we speak truth into it. Now, moment of transparency. Two weeks ago, I was working on this teaching and it was not going very well. And some of you might be sitting there right now and go, I can understand, you know. But it wasn't going very well, and I started having these thoughts in my mind. I wrote them down. You aren't going to be able to teach this, teach something else. It's too hard. Why would you want to teach something that's negative? You're going to have... Someone else should teach this. In fact, I was thinking that our director of Celebrate Recovery, uh, Chuck Mock, I was going to say, Hey Chuck, you can teach this. And... uh <laughs> After the first celebration, I was telling a guy about this, you know, kind of sharing my soul. And he said, man, you must have been really low if you were going to ask Chuck to teach, you know. (laughs) Made me feel better, you know, I don't know. And uh, there was a piece in my mind that thought to myself, after you teach this, people will not come back. And so on March 13th, this is what I was doing. I was like, here I am teaching about lies and the lies are coming into my head and what do I need to do? I actually need to practice what I'm preaching and I need to speak truth into it. And so all of a sudden there's some scripture verses that I've memorized. They'll come up on the side screen. But the first one says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I spoke it out loud. I'm sure my staff thought I was losing my mind. But then uh, the next one that kind of came to me was this passage. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. And then one that my oldest daughter Jordan and I, we speak into our lives all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then the last one, uh, in Romans, I am more than a conqueror through Christ. And all of a sudden, I spoke those words out loud, and all of a sudden, I started getting some confidence. And I'm like, I'm his son, I'm adopted, I'm his masterpiece. Folks, sometimes you may not feel like speaking it, you may not see the circumstances change, because they didn't all altogether. but all of a sudden when you speak it, there is life that comes into it. And it's imperative for you to be able to speak some life into the lies that come. In your program today, when you walked in, you should have received a little answer. I'd like you to pull it out for a second. And this is just something that is helpful for me, and I thought, you know, it might be helpful for you. At the top it says, who I am in Christ. And it just kind of talks about I'm being accepted, I'm secure, I'm significant. And I'll read these when I start sensing lies in my head. And for some of you, maybe you need to put this on your bathroom mirror because you're there on the refrigerator or at work or in your car, but keep it somewhere so that when lights start coming, you have something to battle it with. So I capture the wrong thoughts, I speak the truth, and then finally is uh, this uh, particular last phrase, if we can pull it up. I don't give up. I just say, I'm not going to To give up. No matter what the lies say, I will not give up. Don't give up. I will not do that. No matter what, I will not give up. One of the biggest problems in our society today is that a problem comes to someone or there's a lie that comes and we're very quick to give up. We hear the lie, we struggle with it, and then we start feeling some pain Because of change that we're trying to do. And all of a sudden, there's something within us that we want to give up. And folks, to overcome any lie, you have to have great determination. It takes great grit for you to say, I'm not going to give up. 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 It requires sheer will. But this is what I want you to know. You're not alone. There's a God in the universe who loves you and cares for you. He's on your side. And there are people who are sitting around you right now and they're on your side. There are people that want to be cheerleaders for you. And that's one of the reasons why we have small groups in our church. You can't have that same cheerleading capacity here because you just hear me. But if you have a small group of people that are around you, they want to build you up and lift you up, why wouldn't you be a part of that? And so... uh, on your connect card up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little blue box. And if you've never been in a small group or you're just interested in it, I would encourage you to check it. If you're going through something right now and you've been living these lies, you've just been listening to them and thinking that's your identity, then check it and say, I'm going to be a part of a small group. Or you can stop by at the small group table and sign up today and be a part of that. But don't stay stuck in your lives, our small groups only meet two times a month. It's just for a very brief period of time, but it will fill your life. This week I saw this great quote, and uh, I thought I would give it to you about determination. Great people are just ordinary people with an extraordinary amount of determination. Isn't that true? We're all just ordinary people. The thing that makes us different is whether or not we choose to give up or not. Let me say that again. Great people are just ordinary people with an extraordinary amount of determination. And Scripture gives us this in the last Scripture verse we're going to look at. In Hebrews chapter 12 it says, Let us run the race that is before us. And what's the next three words? Never give up. Some of you should circle that. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that holds us back. Let us look only to who? Yeah, yourself, right? Uh, No, what's it say? Look to Jesus. Think about his example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him. And I'd like all of us to read this last sentence together out loud. One, two, three. So don't get tired and stop trying. That's the biggest thing for many of you. Don't get tired. I know it's easy to get tired, but don't get so tired that you stop trying. Now notice, the Scripture says there's something that you have to take off and there's something you have to put on. You've got to shake something off. You have to shake off those lies. And you have to put something on the truth that you are God's masterpiece. You know, over 2,000 years ago, the God of heaven was looking down upon earth and he finally said, people are hurting so much and they're listening to these lies so much that I've got to send my one and only son To come down and not only to teach them, but to go to a cross and die for all of the sins so that He could erase all of your sins. That He could remove them as far as the east is from the west. And that you would be given the gift of eternal life. And this is the problem. Is that for some of us, We look at a word like addict, and in our minds, we say to ourselves, I'm always going to be an addict, I'm never going to change, but through Christ, folks, you can erase that part of you. There's others of you that are bitter, and you're like, I'm always going to be bitter. They hurt me so badly, that's just who I am. But through Christ, yes, you can. You can remove your bitterness. For some of you, you're like, I'm always going to be a worrier. Like I said, you' worried when you first walk in, you're, you're worried now. you know? It hasn't changed, but I'm telling you that through Christ, He will help to erase that worry. And for some of you, you're like, I'm always going to be angry. I'm always going to be a yeller, that's who I am. Through Christ, He removes and erases it. And for some of you, this is what you sense. I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. There are things that I've done that there's no way God could forgive. And when Jesus came, He said, no, 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 through Me, I can erase that. And this is what happens, that all of your sins are wiped away. All of the lies are wiped away. And you truly can live with this reality that you are God's masterpiece. And this is what I know about you and me. Sometimes we're like, no, 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 I'm not that, God, I'm not that. I'm just, and I can't wipe it off. Because no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, there is a God in heaven who looks down with love and says, You're mine. Loving God, we uh, come to you today. And we are so grateful that you see us, even when we don't see ourselves that way, as a masterpiece. But the truth is, God, that many times we buy into the lies of the evil one. We buy into the lies of other people. We buy into the lies of thoughts in our mind. So if you're a follower of Christ but you've kind of forgotten what God says about you or if you've kind of been in a season lately where you just have this constant sense of failure or fear and not living out who God created you to be if today you're saying God, I don't want to believe in the lies anymore I want to see myself as God masterpiece if that's you today if you're ready to say god i need you i need you to speak to me in a fresh way i need your truth i need your help to break free from whatever sin might be in your life right now if that's you and you're a christ follower and you're ready to have renewal in your life if you're ready to say god i want to be renewed and see myself as a masterpiece would you just raise your hand no one else is looking just raise your hand let me pray for you. God, thank You so much for the courage of these people to say that they are in need of You, that they want change, and they know You can change them. God, I pray that You would change every heart and mind and remove the lies from those who are raising their hand and that once again, they would see themselves as Your masterpieces. You can put down hand. Well, maybe you're here for the first time, or maybe you've just kind of drifted back to things of God. And today there's this thought in your mind of, you know what, I want this relationship with the Master Creator. You thought, I want Him, I need Him, I need God in my life. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, not only can all of your lies be erased, but all of your sins. To be erased too. Everything you've ever done wrong, totally clean, a clean slate. And so if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, or maybe today is a day where you're drifting back and you're like, I want to give my life again because I want everything erased and I want you, you alone, you to to remind me that I am your masterpiece today if by faith you're ready to say I surrender my life to Jesus I give my life to you I need your forgiveness I need your grace if that's you today I invite you to share a prayer after me and we never pray here alone at the jar we always pray in unison And so I simply invite you to repeat this prayer after me Heavenly Father erase all my lies Erase all my sins. Make me brand new. Jesus, I believe You died for me and rose again so I could live with You. Fill me with Your Spirit so I can follow You for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to You. In Jesus' name I pray.